This is Hacker Public Radio episode 3264 for Thursday the 4th of February 2021. Today's show is entitled, Intro to Nardios. It is hosted by Norris, and is about 20 minutes long, and carries a clean flag. The summary is, introduce some Nardios basics, and walk through setting up Nardios on Ubuntu. This episode of HPR is brought to you by archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to archive.org forward slash donate. on the uh, requested topics page and I'm, I'm not an expert with Nagios but I, I do use it and I know a little bit about it uh, and I know you know some of the sort of principles behind how Nagios works so hopefully today I can give a useful introduction and review some of the principles of Nagios. Nagios is a network monitoring tool so you define some things you want Nagios to check for you, and then Nagios does those checks and alerts you if those checks fail. Nagios has a web UI that it's normally used to see the status of checks. There are some uh, basic administration tasks you can do from the web UI, stuff like enabling and disabling notifications, scheduling downtimes, or forcing an immediate check. Nagios is primarily configured with text files. You have to edit the Nagios config files to do stuff like adding servers or customizing some of the check commands. There is a commercial version of Nagios called Nagios XI. Uh, Nagios XI requires paid a paid license and uh, includes support. Uh, it has some extra features, uh, things like wizards. For adding hosts and it makes it easy to clone a host. I've, uh, I've used Nagios XI uh, uh, but I personally don't find the extra features very useful and definitely not worth the price. Uh, I think probably the biggest reason uh, people would use Nagios XI is if they work in an enterprise that requires uh, paid commercial support for software. The community version of Nagios is referred to as Nagios Core, which is what we'll focus on in this episode. The Nagios project has some official documentation, which um, I don't really like for something like this. The Nagios doc- documentation is a lot like a man page, where if you need to know something, you can look it up. But if you just if you're just starting out, or if you're looking for a tutorial for how to get started, probably not the right place. It uh, may be possible for someone to read the documentation and install a configure Nagios for the first time, but it took me a lot of, a lot of uh, trial and error to get a Nagios server working, uh, especially if I was just looking at the official documentation. 
Outside of the official documentation, most of the Nagios installation guides I found online recommend downloading and building Nagios from the Nagios site. Um, my general policy is to use um, packages instead. So uh, normally I like to stick to OS provided packages to make long-term maintenance easier. You may not uh, always get the latest feature release, but installation and updates are usually easier. I know not everyone's going to agree with me here, and um, we'll we'll want to build the latest version from from Nagios. But uh, regardless of how you want to install Nagios, a lot of the principles I'll talk about today will still apply. I'm making the assumption that. Most listeners will be familiar with Debian and Ubuntu, so I'll go over installing Nagios on Ubuntu using the Nagios packages in the Ubuntu repository. Before I go over the installation, I'll talk a little bit about some of the pieces that make up Nagios and the Nagios checks that are for either hosts or services. From the Nagios documentation, a host definition is used to define a physical server, workstation, or device, etc. Something that resides on your network. A service definition is used to define a service that runs on a host. The term service is used very use loosely and can mean an actual service that runs on the host or some other type of metric associated with the host. Normally, hosts are checked using ping. If the ping if the host responds to the ping within the specified time frame, the host is considered to be up. Once a host is determined to be up, you can optionally check services on that host. To start the installation, uh, the first thing you need to do is install the package. In this case, apt install the package named Nagios4. Uh, it'll pull in all the dependencies it needs. One of the dependencies it pulls in is a package called Monitoring Plugins. I'll talk more about the monitoring plugins package when we dig a little bit into the checks. The primary user interface for Nagios is a CGI-driven web application, usually served via Apache. If all you do is install the Nagios for package, the web UI isn't functional, so we'll need to make a few Apache configuration changes. The Nagios configuration file for Apache contains a directive that's not enabled in uh, Apache by default. So the first thing we'll do is enable uh, some Apache modules on Debian and Ubuntu that's usually done with the a2nmod command. So in this case, we'll use a2nmod to enable authz underscore group file and auth underscore digest. Then obviously you need to restart Apache. The next step is to enable users in the Nagios UI. We'll do that by editing etsy slash nagios4 slash cgi.cfg. Uh, look for the line that says use authentication equals zero and change that to use authentication equals one. Next we need to modify Apache to require a logged in user. Um, there is a Apache file that ships with the Nagios package. It's in uh, Etsy Apache 2 comps enabled. 
uh, and then the name of the file is nagios4-cgi.conf. We will change the line that says require all granted to require valid user. The installed config file limits access to Nagios from only localhost, so you can only access it from localhost. That's not really useful for us in this case, so we need to edit that same file again. Uh, look for a line that starts with require IP, and then just delete that line. The last thing we need to do is create a basic auth user. I normally create a user with a user, username Nagios admin, but uh, you, it can be anything. Um, we'll use the htdigest command to create a password file and uh, with a Nagios admin user and password in it. I'll have the specific command in the show notes. Now all we need to do is restart Apache and Nagios with the service commands and the Nagios UI will be fully functional. Nagios uses a collection of small standalone executable uh, scripts or programs that perform the checks. The results of the checks are either OK, warning, or critical, depending on the exit code of the check. If the exit code is 0, the check is OK. If the exit code is 1, it's a warning. And if the exit code is 2, that's critical. The check commands are standalone applications that can be ran independent from Nagios. Running the checks from the shell is helpful to better understand how the checks work. The location of the check commands can vary depending on how Nagios is packaged. But in this case, if you follow along, uh, those, the checks will be in userlib Nagios plugins. Looking at the names of the files in the check directory uh, should give you an idea of their purpose. For example, it should be obvious what check underscore HTTP and check underscore ICMP are for. So to get an idea of um, what the command looks like when you run it from the command line and what it outputs, if you uh, cd to the userlib Nagios plugins directory and then run dot slash check ICMP localhost, um, that's checking to ping localhost. And then you can see it prints out uh, OK, and then it prints out some stats about the, um, about the ping, how long it took, if there were retries, stuff like that. Most of the checks can be ran with dash H for help. It'll print a usage statement about how that individual check program should be used. The checks can be in any language um, as long as it can be executed by the server that's running Nagios. Most of the checks that ship with Nagios are written in C and compiled, but it's really common to have checks that are written in a scripting language like Perl or Python or Bash. If you're interested in the programming language that the checks are written in, can use the file command and it'll tell you if it's a text file or a Perl script or in this case with check ICMP it's a elf binary. So now let's talk a little bit about how Nagios is configured. The primary configuration file for Nagios is in 
etsy slash nagios4 slash nagios.cfg. Nagios.cfg has a directive that will load additional files. Uh, in this case, it's where I put all my user-generated files. There's a line that says config dir equals etsy nagios4 slash conf.d. So anything you want to add to Nagios, you can put in this comp.d folder. So usually I'll put everything I generate for Nagios in the comp.d folder and then use git to keep the directory under version control and to have a backup of the Nagios config files. So before Nagios can run the check programs we looked at earlier, there has to be a command definition that Nagios can use. There are some predefined commands in etsy nagios4 slash objects slash commands.cfg. The Debian package monitoring plugins basic contains uh, several command definitions that are loaded by nagios uh, and that those command definitions are stored in etsy nagios plugins slash config. So let's look at one of the commands if we look in the directory etsy nagios plugin slash config there's a file called ping.cfg and there we can see some of the commands that are defined there one of the one of them is named check dash host dash alive and then if we if you find that in there you can see the command line is actually one of the one of the programs we looked at earlier in the Nagios plugins directory with some additional arguments. When commands are defined, the command underscore name and command underscore line are both required to be set. The command line is the path to the executable that will actually perform the check and the optional arguments. Uh, most of the checks will require a dash capital H which is the host address that the command is uh, going to check. The check host alive command also contains arguments that set the critical and warning thresholds with a dash C for critical and a dash W for warning. So if you look in the ping.cfg file with the commands in it, uh, we'll look at one more just to get an idea of how the commands can be different. There's another similar command but instead of check dash host alive it's called check underscore ping the difference is that check underscore ping requires that you pass it two arguments one for the warning set point and one for the critical set point talk a second about uh, templates uh, hosts and services require a lot of reused variables. Uh, the object definitions normally use templates to avoid having to repetitive, repetitively set the same variables on every host. Uh, Nagio ships with predefined variables for hosts and services that'll work in most cases. And Ubuntu, the templates are defined in Etsy Nagios for objects templates.cfg. The template definitions are the same as other object definitions except they contain the phrase register space zero, which designates the object as a template. I'll uh, show how the templates are used when I go over the host and service definitions. So one of the 
main sort of points of having something like Nagios is that you get notified when some checks fail. So by default, notifications are sent uh, via email to uh, Nagios at localhost. The easiest way to get notifications is to configure the Nagios server to forward emails to a monitored email address. Since a lot of networks block sending emails directly, uh, email forwarding can sometimes be challenging. In a follow-up episode, I'll cover setting up postfix to relay mail through a mail sending service and maybe some other methods uh, that you can use for getting alerts. By default, uh, Nagios is configured to monitor itself, uh, localhost. Uh, now, monitoring localhost can be useful, but you probably want to add some additional servers to monitor. Have a look at uh, Etsy Nagios objects, localhost.cfg, if you want to see how the checks for localhost are defined. So let's add something else to monitor. Uh, we'll use google.com as an example, just because it's, it's something that's easy to check. So we'll create a file named google.cfg and we'll put it in the config directory that we talked about earlier, etsy nagios4 slash comp.d. Um, the files that you put in that directory can, can be any, named anything as long as they end in .cfg. But I like to have uh, one file per host, and I like to have the file name uh, be the name of the host that we're monitoring. So in this case, uh, we'll create a file called google.cfg, and I'll have a copy of that file in the show notes. So the first thing we need to put in google.cfg is the host definition. The only thing that's really required in the host definition is host underscore name. Uh, and then the remaining requirements are going to be met by using the generic host template. Uh, next, we can add a service to check. Uh, the easiest thing to check for Google is just HTTP. The host name, service description, and check command are the things that have to be defined for the service. There's other requirements for service definitions, but we can use the generic service template to meet those requirements. So now that we've added Google.cfg, uh, Nagios has to be restarted to pick up the changes. Uh, before we restart Nagios, um, before I restart anything, I like to check that the syntax is valid. So for Nagios, you can run uh, Nagios 4, which is the main Nagios binary, uh, then dash V, and then give it the path to the main config file, uh, etsy Nagios 4 slash Nagios.cfg. Uh, that'll print a summary of the Nagios configuration, and it, if there's any errors or warnings, they'll be printed at the end. Warnings are not fatal, but you should probably look at them. If there are any errors, that'll keep Nagios from restarting. So if you run the check, it'll tell you if there's errors. So before you restart Nagios, you need to look at the errors and see if you can figure out um, how you can change the google.cfg file. So now that we've got uh, something to monitor, um, we can take a look at the Nagios UI. Um, if you go to the HTTP and then the server hostname and then slash Nagios4, um, on the left side there's a menu. 
uh, and under the host tab you should see the two hosts uh, localhost and the host we added google.com and you can also see the service checks for those uh, two hosts I've already made the mistake of mentioning a follow-up episode so now I'm committed so uh, next time uh, I'll try to cover some enhancements we can make to the basic Nagios setup uh, we talked about today. I'll try to go over, uh, like I already mentioned, some ways to get notifications. I'll talk about some of the other uh, monitoring plugin packages that are uh, in Ubuntu. Uh, I'll look at writing a custom check. And then um, we'll look real quick at SNMP uh, and how we can use SNMP to monitor uh, host uh, load average and disk usage. And as a bonus for this episode, I'll include in the show notes uh, an Ansible playbook that I used to build Nagio servers while I was developing the notes for this episode. Uh, leave a comment uh, if there's some other aspects of Nagios besides the ones I mentioned that uh, you'd like me to cover. Uh, I, I'm not going to make any promises, but I'll, I'll do my best. Uh, thanks for listening, and I'll see you guys next time. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website, or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.